Yes, coming in hot with episode 21 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man who is fresh off sending his Trump postal vote in, Jobber. How are you, mate? <laughs> great, great. So really looking forward to the results of the election. Um, been another massive week of Premier League action and not much VAR chat, is there? <laughs> Hardly any. It's almost as if um, it eliminated all refereeing decision debate at the pub, didn't it? Yeah, thank God <laughs> we finally got to that area. So, look, I suppose the big, the big conversation is about VAR. So, um, Harry Maguire wrestled Cesar Azpilicueta like a young Hulk Hogan tangling with Ric Flair. Um, Harry was the clear winner, no penalty, and an immense show of strength from the United stalwart. Uh, I, was, I was thinking, who's as strong as Harry? Who could do that as well as Harry did it? And I thought, mm. which current Premier League footballer could make it in the pro wrestling circuit and why? Yeah, that's an easy one for me. And I've actually gone for a tag team, okay? So I haven't gone for one. Oh. I've pulled together a tag team. And I'm like Al Heyman, like a hype man out the front. And then i got two the, these two beasts behind me. So um, obviously I've got Dharma Traore in there. Um, he's going to be looking rather buff and obviously he's going to be oiled up. And the other one I've got is um, Antonio. Um, I th- he is just as big and just as powerful um, as Torre. So I think, yeah, a bit of a tag team, Antonio and Torre with me out in front with um, Heyman hype man vibes going on. What have you got? Yeah, so look, I've, I've gone out of, the, uh, out of the loop a little bit. So I'd be the Eddie Hearn. Anthony Joshua in this scenario, like real funny, witty. Um, so I'm like, if I'm doing all these wonderful things as the promoter and I'm hilarious and pretty, um, who do I want to be supporting? And I came up with Jamie Vardy. So <laughs> I, I just feel like you've gone for someone strong and obvious. I just think Vardy's the man who'd come in at the end of the Royal Rumble, be like the 29th man in, smack someone over the back of the hair, uh, smack someone with a chair and then be like, oh, let's start an alliance and then backstab his friend at the end. Like Jamie Vardy's got the shithousery in him to do that. Um, so I went with Vardy, you know, with me as promoter. But, yeah, I, I just thought it was a fairly obvious decision, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Jamie strikes me as the type of guy who would come out to wrestle and have a cape on. So yeah, definitely. And pretend, or pretend he's not wrestling and be sitting in the crowd with a moustache and sunglasses and then jump over the top and steal the title. Like yeah, I'm, take one of those fake um, disguises off with the nose and the, yep. and the glasses. Yeah, so I'll Jamie. Let's get into flavor of the pod then. So we've got uh, opening question, tick, weekly happenings on their way, um, the weekend review, a lot of games to get through, um, and then we might touch on a couple of games that are yet to come through as well. So big pod. Let's get into it. What's been happening this week? So it's been a weird and wonderful week. So I'm not sure if you saw this, but um, – Donny van der Beek's old side, Ajax, mm. had, a, had a tough game against Venlo, and they won 13-0 with Lestano Troy scoring five. Um, and Look, just one of those games where I thought the scoreline was a fair reflection of how the game went. Um, and then the keeper, the keeper from Venlo made 10 saves as well. So I don't so know. He's, he's had an all right game, to be fair. He's put off 10 saves. Um Save ratio of probably in the in the high forties there, but my favourite thing coming from that result was the meme with um Donny. So Donny's sitting in the crowd at the Manchester United Chelsea game, sitting in the stands, looking rather bored, similar to what I look like at home, looking rather bored. 
Um, and then down the bottom, they just had um, when you're watching Fred and McTominay run around while your old team's winning 13 nil, <laughs> thinking you could have made it 18 nil. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I'm sure Donny's enjoying himself, but um, look, yeah, they got. I think there was eight goals in 20 second half minutes or something outrageous. Like, you know, when you see someone go up five or six nil, and you're like, oh, that's out, that's terrible. <laughs> but like, they just didn't stop. Um, so credit to them, uh, got the job credit done. Credit to them. Credit to him and good luck in the Super League in a couple of years' time. Yeah. So the other the other big thing for the week, well, there's two actually. So Real Madrid won the Clasico after losing to Shakhtar midweek. Sergio Ramos scored his 25th consecutive penalty. So good news for Zizou and co. Good good numbers. Um, and, yeah, that is a hell of a stat. That um, That's similar to your boy. Um, with his penalty record until sort of last week or the week before, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, nice nice win for Real Madrid. Um, they struggled, didn't they, um, in the Champions League? And then even the week before, um, they dropped points in the league. So, yeah, I think that'll be a big win, win for them mentally to get one over Barca and get a bit of a jump on them. Yeah, it's nice to see some goals in the Clasico too. It's been it's become a bit of a, a bit of a stalemate of late. So the other big news is quite sad is um Ronaldinho has actually caught COVID nineteen. And uh, my overall concern with this is with his party boy antics, I am tipping him highly to be a super spreader. Um, very very sad for the Brazilian talisman. Yeah, I know he's he's in the news for all the wrong reasons um, after his career, isn't it? But Sad to see the, the great man get around like that. Um, I think he flipped a car the week before too. Probably should have brought that up. He's in a Paraguayan jail as well. Yeah. Nah, it's tough. Retirement's tough. Yeah, a long, long gone of the days where he's doing stepovers at the new camp. But look, let's get into it. The weekend started with a bang. Uh, Patrick Bamford tucked away three against Villa. What did you make of this one? Uh, well, I thought... Oh, to be honest, I wasn't really looking forward to this game. And the main reason I watched it live action is, is it was because it was on the Friday for us, um, as you know. So it was a bit easier to watch and wasn't stacked or put next to another game. So, yeah, I watched that. I thought a bit of a shock result, to be honest. I think Villa were doing so well um, so far in the league. And Leeds are actually the first team this season to take points off Villa. Um, Villa coming off some some good results um, and obviously that, that big win against um, Liverpool, which is the biggest um, scalp in their pocket. Um, I'm quite happy with Patrick. Obviously, um, he struggled at the start of the year, but I think the manager, Bielsa, sticking with him um, has really helped him and now he's getting the, the goal. So first off in the year, he started, he was playing all the time, but not really scoring any goals. Um, and now he's up to sort of six in six. So... Yeah, a lovely hat-trick by him, which I'm sure we will touch on. But what was your favourite goal from hat-trick Bamford? Uh, it's an easy one. The one from the top of the box. just The second one, right? Yeah, just the uh, – it's not much of a back lift and he just popped it in the top corner. Cracked it. Um, so my question to you on that is could Mingzi get a bit closer to him there? He sort of stood off, off him, which is unusual when they're at the top of the box. Like if he's a bit further out, it makes sense. But, yeah, being that close to the penalty spot or penalty area, don't you think Ming should have stepped up and closed that space a bit better? Yeah, it was weird because Ming's like, I don't know, it was kind of hard. Maybe could have been closer, but you could see Ming's was trying to like not let him get on his left foot. So he's yeah. trying to stop him from coming in. And then, like, the ball was positioned well for Bamford to strike it on his right, but he sort of prodded at it with that, like, not much of a back lift. Um, 
So well, I, his, la- his last goal was like that as well. So I, th- I think I probably agree with you with with Mings and his body shape there, where he's trying to show him onto the right to stay on the left, and so he's probably watching the the ball so he doesn't drag it across onto his left and become dangerous. But yeah, as you say, instead of doing that, Patrick just shuffled his whole body and kept the ball still and just whipped it into the top corner. A rather nice finish. It was. It just looked. It was so, such a clever little movement from Bamford because yeah, I don't think they could have done much about it. It was just really well. But um, it was interesting to see Bamford start with Rodrigo in behind him. Um, bit of a bit of an in, a show of intent from Bielsa there that he wasn't sort of coming to Villa and and sitting off. Um, I thought Harrison was impressive as well and held Acosta out wide for leads. Like they just seemed to get themselves into really dangerous positions and um, caused cash and target some real problems. Costa's just got so much energy. He's just so, well, I don't know, I don't know, is fit the right word or just up for it? Like he seems to be just, yeah, his body seems to be in a good space so that where he can um, just perform like that every week. He's, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. The other interesting stat to come out of the game, you know I love the stats, was Leeds mm. had 27 shots. Could have been a lot more. Yeah, that 60% of possession, 27 shots. Like they were, I thought they were really good. Um, and I didn't think I didn't think Villa were necessarily that bad. I just thought Leeds were really good. Um, Jack Grealish yeah. kind of looked dangerous, but yeah, just a different class. Yeah, I agree. So, what, what do you see for Leeds coming up? Like for for me, I think they've got they've got good energy and good intensity, but <clears throat> sort of a thin squad. And so, what I fear for them is just sort of running out of legs middle of the year and um, and end of the year when the games start coming a little bit thicker and faster, which is hard to believe that that'll happen, but it will. Um, and so, they're fifth at the moment. So, where do you see them? Do you see them kicking on from here, trying to hold steady? Do you see them dying out like I do? What What do you think? I, uh, I think Christmas, Christmas is obviously going to be the litmus test, isn't it? Um, it always is in the Premier League, so it's the big clubs from the small. But... Um, yeah, look, I just I think they're just playing so well, and my only concern is that they do play that high energy type of football. And as you said, they have a pretty thin squad, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's also like a um, there's a mental element to that too. Like if you can keep on the up and up and up and up, then you don't notice how tired you're getting. Um, whereas if they have a bit of a slump, or say they go to I don't know Liverpool and cop four or five, then they might just have a really swift decline. But um, no, I think I think they'll be okay. Um, I think they'll settle into that Europa League sort of area. Um, I think that's consistent with what I said at the start of the season. I just, they're so impressive and they just seem to be adapting and getting better every week. Yeah, so they're up into fifth and Villa are down into third. So interesting to see if Villa can um, pick them up, pick themselves up after dropping points for the first time this year. Um, but what we might do is move on to West Ham 1, Man City 1. Was this... Goal of the season so far, yes or no? Oh, as in Phil Foden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a goal. <laughs> I don't know. He's Mikel Antonio, for a bloke that's always injured, he's just so athletic. Like he's so strong and powerful and he can jump and he can just do anything on his day, can't he? Yeah, he seems to have the, a nice mix of um, like strength, but still got some pace, um, but then still some unbelievable um, technique, which I suppose kind of makes you think, has he underachieved for his ability so far? Um, in, like if you look at his ability, he's got all those things we just mentioned, but he hasn't really strung together a, a good season yet. Like he'd always get cut short with injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, whether he's not doing those um, extra things to get his body right, um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, but it's a bit disappointing that he can't um, string it together 
um, for, yeah, as I said, a whole season. But he has these flashes where he can do stuff like that. I think he had a run in the team um, at the start of last year as well where he looked quite well and then, um, yeah, and then petered away and got some injuries. And even at the start of this year, he wasn't starting every game for West Ham. So, yeah, he's found his way into the, <clears throat> um, into the team and then, yeah, he's scoring goals more recently. But I just love the strength that he did. He had to hold off um, Dash, where he sort of just grabbed him, tucked him in, and and bullied him really. And then as the cross come in, yeah, just a nice bike, beautiful goal. Yeah, it was it was stunning. Um, obviously, City dominated possession and like were, were fairly good from there. But West West Ham were like they're so much more resilient in the last couple of weeks than I've seen them in a long time. Like they just don't seem to wilt like they previously did. Um, yeah, you, you feared for them, didn't you? After a start, tough start. You feared for them after a tough start, didn't did, you? Yeah, I did. and they had a really bad run. Um, and I think mm. we were talking about they could have been zero and eight, um, and they've come mm. back. They just, yeah, I don't know if it's Moisey going away or what's changed, but they just seem so much more resilient and battle hardened in the last couple of weeks. Like they didn't. There was a couple of late chances um, for Sterling, but West Ham also had a chance to win the game. After Antonio got injured, so like I don't know, it was I thought they were they were pretty good for a point. Um, obviously, City are class, but not much you can do. And then Phil Foden got a great goal to equalise. Um, but yeah, like I thought West Ham were pretty good for a point. Yeah, come off the bench and um, and scored, didn't he, Phil? But so West Ham move on to um, Liverpool next, which will be a tough test for them. But what do you think of Man City so far this season? Bit of a stop start for me. I think they've. Just it's like they can't get their get their flow together, so they're floundering down in in thirteenth at the moment, struggling, aren't they? Yeah, you just wonder if that um, there's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy with the Pep Guardiola. Is it five years, three years thing? It's a five year thing, isn't it? Yeah, Mourinho's a three year. Yeah, Mourinho's a very quick three years, and the third year is a very very rapid decline. But yeah, I wonder if. <laughs> A self-fulfilling prophecy now that like City are almost believing that Mourinho, oh sorry, Pep's magic's worn off, or is he just tired them out and they're just sick of it? Yeah, like <clears throat> I think there's probably some legs to that argument, but then then again, if you look at the squad from sort of five years ago to now, like he, he doesn't have many of the same faces, so it's that that's where that argument sort of falls down for me. Where how do, how can you get sick of a manager, or how can that? sort of theory crop up when essentially you're talking to a new group of 26 blokes. So, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But Man City just, um, yeah, can't get it together at the moment and are struggling. But they better sort themselves out um, because they're off to Sheffield United next. And uh, let's see if they can beat uh, beat them dead down the relegation zone. I think think they'll be okay. Um, So let's let's move on to Fulham versus Palace. So what'd you make of this one? Um, well, I didn't watch this game uh, live action, so um, I'll, I'm mini matching this one. But yeah, I, I thought um, Palace were probably good for the points. Um, just I really worry about Fulham just having an absolute dredge of a season. Like, like this this is a game where, that they could have actually um, got some points from. So um, yeah, a little disappointing there. Um, I think Mitra had some good chances. Um, Sort of after about seventy minute mark, but yeah, they just they just look a bit disjointed, don't they? Like like they're a bit lost. Um, you've got in the running order. Yeah, the Lookman looked impressive, which which I agree with. Um, but yeah, Palace uh, Palace too strong. Roy's boys get it done. Um, and what did you think of the the red card in this game? 
I, I can't. So this is a really like poor answer, but I just can't. Like I reckon I've watched it ten times, and I can't decide what's going on there. Like in the like in the scope of the game at the time, um, like just in like I didn't know if it was just frustration, but I, I can't tell myself it was that bad. But then I don't like you sort of can't judge whether or not he was sort of going in intentionally to do some damage or whether it was just a, like a lazy, tired challenge. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just couldn't. I thought it was harsh. Did you? Uh, see, I thought it was red. Mm. It wasn't even live. I think, or not live, but when I watched it for the first time, um, I thought it was red. So, yeah, well, he got a red, but yeah, no. Um, Fulham, great goal from Tom Kearney, but um, back to back to Fulham's woes. Um, they they were a lot more comfortable in this game than they have been, but they just don't have the quality. Like Lookman is Lookman and Kearney probably look the part, but outside of that, like you, they just look like they're going to concede. Um, Loftus Cheek, I don't think he's the answer either. And Mitro seems to be really struggling in front of goal. And if Mitro is struggling in front of goal, it's sort of unless Lookman's scoring, it's going to be hard for them to get goals. It's going to be a long year. So, do do you make a change if you're on the board? Do you move Scotty um, Scotty on, or do you keep him? What do you think? I just don't know what what good that'd do. Like, who? I, I just think the squad's not good enough. I don't think it matters who you bring in. Unless you bring yeah. in Roy Hodgson, but he's sitting across in the other dugout. There's no way he's moving. No, I, I, I thought about that too. So I, I think I was thinking that gee, he's he's going to struggle to see out the season. But I mean, as you say, who, who do you bring in, and and what could they really possibly do? Like apart from just getting a new manager bump and and trying getting them out of this rut and getting the first win, hopefully they get some momentum from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't see um, much more what else a, a new manager is going to do. Um, good to see Zaha on the score sheet again. Um, I think I said at the start of the year that for him to sort of make that next step, he needs to start scoring some goals and um, rather than being a bit of a flash player, um, mercurial player. So, yeah, he's done well. Another goal. Yeah, so that's that's um, Crystal Palace have beaten Fulham for the third time in a row for the first time since 1930. So the only person who would remember that. Is Roy Hodgson? I think he told him that stat on the way out. So look, yeah. let's move on to what should let's. have been the match of the weekend: Manchester United nil, Chelsea nil. What did you think of this one? And then I suppose you only sat on the edge of your seat, but did you lean back after ninety minutes and think, "Oh, this was a cracker," or what do you think? Probably didn't lean back after ninety minutes. It's probably more twenty minutes in than I started to lean back. Twenty seconds. Oh, I, I, I did tip that um, there would be goals in in this game too um, on the last pod. So, a bit of a shock, but I think most would have. Like, I don't see how you could um, sort of tip um, anything else given the defensive performances from both teams recently. I think um, looks like Chelsea have shored things up. Um, at the back there now as well. They've got a couple of clean sheets, which I think Frank, as he said at the um, end of the Champions League game, he was happy with. But, yeah, they need to make um, get sort of both ends going at the, at the same time. But let's just go straight to the big talking point of the game. Harry Maguire's headlock on <laughs> Asperqueta. That A pen, obviously. And then if so, how was that missed? So... Um... I don't know how it was missed. Like, for all the talk we have about VAR, and Harry Maguire has literally got him in a headlock. Like, so, and I, like, I forgive the referee for not seeing it because where the referee was standing, like, he can't see that. Like, he can see there's a bit of a wrestle, and you know what I mean? Like, it's a corner, so 
there's going to be a bit of wrestling going on. But it was just so obvious. And then I'm like, what's the linesman doing? And then VAR, who are becoming like amazingly bad at telling them to review the wrong things, have just approved it in three seconds. Like, how can you not yeah. look at that? How can you look at that and say that's not a pen? So, I mean, three seconds sounds a bit worrying, but at the same time, you don't need longer than three seconds to look at that. You look at that first take on if you've got the view that um, from that side on angle where that still picture was taken where you can uh, can see, yeah, it's, it's a pen every day of the week. So a bit disappointing. Um, what did you make of Manchester United's um, selections in, in midfield? So Fred... Um, Scotty McTominay, Dan James, Bruno, and Juan Mata um, running through the midfield there. What do you think of that? So a little a, bit odd. Johnny no, so there's a bit there. of history there. So and I haven't carried out any evidence. This is basically, basically what I have seen is once something works for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that is the plan moving forward. Like as soon as this particular formation or this team works in like a big game, that will be – what will be done for the next few weeks until it doesn't work. Um, mm. And if you look back to P- the original PSG night in Paris a year and a half ago, that result then created that team for the rest of the season. And then they sort of got halfway through the season like, oh, it's not working. Bring in Fernandez, change it up. Now we play with Bruno in there. It's different. Um, but then he's gone back to this at PSG. It's worked because what was happening in the previous weeks wasn't working. So he's gone back to the more defensive, boring two blokes in midfield who can protect the back four and that's going to be the way of moving forward now until that doesn't work. But like you look at the bench and if you're Mason Greenwood, Edison Cavani, Paul Pogba, Donny van der Beek, like what's going through your head? You know you're better than those players. Dan James. Dan James was st- – Dan James is awful. Like how can you yeah. – you play Donny van der Beek in the same position and he'll do it better. Oh, I don't know about out what I don't know about Donny playing as a as a more He's a footballer. He'll figure it wide. out. Yeah, he he will, and he'll play it differently, just like Matta does on the other side. But I think as soon as um, Martial goes out of the team, you need to move Rashford through the middle. As soon as you move Rashford through the middle, open the spot out wide, which is now where um, Dan James is playing. But yeah, I, I probably agree. He can probably shuffle things to to get in a stronger lineup than than he's rolling out, um, especially going forward. But there we go. And and then uh, on Chelsea's side, obviously, um, we touched on Mendy coming in and, and Chelsea's um, Chelsea's defence, and they just look so much taller when he's playing back there. He made a couple of good saves. You, yeah, but he almost played one in the back of his net. Did you see the pass? Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, oh, what, so what, about, what about the one-on-one with Rashford when he's one-on-one great. with Rashford? Great That's save. Great. Yeah, great you know what I mean? So those go in against Kepler. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but he almost passed in the back of the net. But Chelsea, like, I thought Chelsea were, and it's like it's not a criticism of them, but they were very negative, like the way they set up and like five at the back. They didn't they didn't come to win the game; they came to not lose the game, um, which I, I would have liked about, to have seen Ollie not do the same thing. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. I felt the same about Manchester United, though. Yeah, you know, both teams were scared of um, losing rather than having any ambition to, to go and win it, I think. Yeah. Is that a sign of is that a sign of the quality of the managers and how like how confident they are in their own abilities? Probably, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like yeah. Manchester United had the players there to get on the front foot. Like the players that could have done that were sitting on the bench. Two of them came on. Like Cavani came on and you could see he's he was very keen to get on the score sheet, like straight away. 
Um, Pogba was very keen to get the team moving forward. Whereas says the other guys, it's um, it just seems to be trying to not lose the game. Yeah. So me and you stay in 15th and are off to Arsenal next and Chelsea go down to 9th and are off to Burnley next. So should be able to get it done there, but we'll see. All right. So Liverpool 2, Sheffield United 1. What did you think? Yeah, I think... I've got down here, um, well, let's cover the pen first because that was so early, wasn't it? So mm. he's saying pen for that. And if you if you, if you say no pen, are you thinking because he got the ball or because it's outside? What do you think? I thought it was outside the box. Yeah. Like I think that line was like a little bit misleading. Like they're saying it's on the line, it's a penalty now. But even then it was pretty sketchy decision. Like I, yeah, so I, I, wouldn't, thought- I wouldn't have lost any sleep if he didn't give the pen. Yeah, so I thought it was in the box, but it wasn't a pen. Like he gets the, it's one of those ones that we spoke about. I think we had it in a group chat where it's a tackle, but then his momentum or where he's going next then kicks him. But at the end of the day, he got the ball first, and it's football. Someone's going to get kicked. Blue yeah, so, so yeah, sick. I'm, I'm no pen. I'm no pen because of the tackle, and you're no pen because you think it's outside. But yeah, the, I've got down here just the character of Liverpool to, to go behind and then just come back and win. And I was addressing in that game and I didn't feel as though the game was going any other way, to be honest. Um, sort of from the 10th minute forward, I, I always felt that Liverpool were going to get back into it. Um, yeah, so good character by them. Um, once going behind, I thought they did rather well. Did you see the Mo and Mane incident where Marcel um, was through, sort of dinked it and, and clipped the post, and then him and Mane had a bit of back and forth? Oh, no, I didn't see that. No, I saw him hit the post. Um, yeah, so oh, cracks starting to yeah. appear. So after, after he hit the post, um, he sort of, you know, put his hands on his head and, and then um, Mane was standing there with his arms out, and then he said something to him. They Mo turned around. They just had a little back and forth. Like it wasn't. I don't think it was anything bad um, or anything serious, but I think if it if it takes the next step and sort of goes to the next level, um, it could be. And it was something that's you know been around before, hasn't it? Where I think Mane didn't cut it back to, to Mo one time, and they had words. So um, interesting trouble there. But uh, I think Allison being back for Liverpool is obviously a huge boost. But what I'm not looking forward to is hearing about Virgil Van Dijk being out every single Liverpool game from here on in. <laughs> How many times yeah. have we mentioned that in comps? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it's, oh, and even Memphis Depay with the t-shirt as well. I'm a bit like he's he's very good. Don't get me wrong, but can we please move on? Um, but yeah, no. Look, I think I agree with you 100. Like, even after Liverpool conceded, I just didn't think like I thought they could have won by a lot more. Um, and like they're just they were just over the top for for the whole game. What did you think of Mo Salah's disallowed goal? Ah. Uh, well, oh, it's tough, isn't it? Um, I'm probably happy with no no goal there. What What do you think? Yeah, I, I think the that one's like offside. Seems to be fairly clear now, <laughs> almost too clear. Um, but yeah, look, that was offside. But the finish was amazing. Um, oh, the finish was yeah, of course yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the actual decision. No, uh, and then he hits the post later on. So no luck for yeah, Salah. Yeah. Like yeah, they were way too good, and they're up to second now. For all for all these woes that we think that they're having, they just keep winning. Well, I think people have that perception, and and you do as well, I suppose, is because they got battered by so badly by um, Villa, 
But at the end of the day, even though they lost 7-2, they still picked up zero points and, and moved on and won the next week. So, yeah, it's not really um, an issue, I don't think. Um, yeah, sitting in, sitting in second and um, closed the gap on, um, on Everton didn't they, during the week. So. Yeah, so look, move yeah. on now to Everton. So they're now level on points with Liverpool on 13 points, but they lost mm-hmm. to 2-1. What did you think of this one? Yeah, well, let's let's do the um, red card first. What did you think? Red card oh. or not red card? Carlo was steaming Wasn't he at the get, end. He get angry easily, and, doesn't he? And he said that he's going to um, appeal that. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to go as far as the Liverpool fans writing to Parliament, but um, I, I think it, you could almost make the argument. I didn't think it was a red card. Like, it oh, I thought it was a red card. Mm. It just, like, I know it wasn't deliberate or anything like that, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not angry it was a red card, but if I wouldn't be angry if it was yellow either because of the intention. Like as you say, he was running and, and didn't really. Um, just sort of put his hands up in the air. But, yeah, Carlo was absolutely steaming at the end. Um, what did you think of Ward-Prowse's strike? Oh, he's Smashed great. It. Yeah, he's great, isn't he, Ward-Prowse? Can, can, he can hit a ball like not many. Um, so, no, that was that was the second goal? No, that was that was the first goal from a throw-in. And so oh, that, yeah. that was the other thing I had where it just seemed like a tame situation. Southampton had it. Um, yeah, on the side, it was their throw and, and Everton just looked asleep and a quick one-two, um, Ward-Prowse was in and, yeah, hammer across the, the face of the goal to the back post. You can strike a ball, can't he? One-nil. Um, yeah, no, look, and then Shea Adams went ahead and um, doubled the lead and then it was pretty much curtains, wasn't it, after that? Like, I just I couldn't see Liverpool, uh, Liverpool um, the other team. Everton, yeah. um, I couldn't see Everton getting back into it. They just didn't see him themselves. Potentially Richarlison's absence hurt him more than you'd think. Yeah, that, that looked a little off, but I think just coming from the um, you know the run of form that they've come from um, and being a relative new squad, I think you're going to get that. You're going to get those dips every now and then, and so yeah, we'll see if it's a if, if it's a dip or it's sort of more of an equaliser um, on their form. But yeah, so they stay they stay in first, um, which is which is good. But as we say, Liverpool close the. Close the gap on them. Everton are off to um, Newcastle next, so that'll be interesting. And Southampton are off to Villa. Well, that's, that's a tough one. So, look, Wolves versus Newcastle. Um, actually, a couple of stunning goals in this one, wasn't there? Yeah, a couple of great strikes. Um, what do you think about the wall placement from Rui Patricio, though? He's got yeah, in the wrong spot. You could, have fit two, you could have fit two players on the end of that wall, I reckon. Yeah. Like if you were lining up probably there was, it was like it didn't take a great deal of like it wasn't a magic free kick by any mean. Like it was just a basically a pass. So um yeah, nice right foot strike by by Murphy. But interestingly at the end, um he was doing a post match interview and they sort of said to him, Um, what like what went through your head? Did you see the gap or what happened? And he was saying, he goes, I was watching video the night before doing a bit of research and found that um, he sort of struggled with his wall placement um, and, and any free kicks that went low. So he's like, really? um, yeah, I had a peek around the corner and saw the gap there and so I whipped it as high as I could low. So interesting by, uh, by Murphy there. 
Yeah, and Nuno's a former keeper himself, so I'd say he'd be absolutely steaming to cop a late one like that because that is really shit from Rui Patricio. Like, that, yeah. like, you can stick as many players as you want in that wall. Like, there's nothing stopping you. And, like, you don't have to be accurate. You can be, like, over the top. You can stick an extra man in there if you want. Yeah, a bit shocking um, just the quality keeper that he is to, to make such a mistake. But, yeah, I think um, I think he'll be popping into um, goalkeeper training this week. <laughs> yeah, but what a strike from Raul Jimenez. Like that volley, I know it was yeah, fairly was late, but he's just so classy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he's not, not flying as much as he was at the, at the end of last year, but um, still, doing, still doing rather well. Uh, like... Wolves just not in the form that that, that they were um, either, are they? Like they're still they're similar to Man City where they're still finding their finding their feet. Got a bit of a mixed bag of um, results with uh, three wins, a draw, and two losses. So yeah, a bit unusual for them. Yeah, they still look a little bit off colour, but I think they'll come good eventually. Um, probably missing Jota a little bit, but move on to the next one. So Arsenal versus Leicester. So Leicester got up one nil. With uh, who scored the goal? I don't think I, I missed it. <laughs> Super jammy Vardy, mate. <laughs> hey, come Who on, else? he just couldn't help himself, could he? Who bloody else, huh? Vardy so versus he, Arsenal. He was injured, um, or just coming back from a hamstring injury, um, and so apparently the plan was to always bring him on at the, about that sort of sixty-minute mark. But a master bit of um, game management coaching by. Brandy, don't you think? Like we had a clear game plan and it worked to perfection. Do you agree? Yeah, it was a, it was a funny game um, in a sense that like Leicester were quite comfortable letting Arsenal have the ball and like Arsenal have like pretty good attack, but I don't know they just didn't they just didn't seem to threaten Leicester at all. They had the one disallowed goal which from the corner, um, which we'll get to, but they just didn't they didn't have any creativity. And I was like, imagine if they had. Like some sort of number ten who's got like an incredible record of assist that they could bring on to break down a stubborn defence. Yeah. Like I just yeah. I just couldn't think of who that might be. Mm. Yeah, I know. I just if they had three hundred and fifty thousand pound a week to pay someone like that, that'd be good too, wouldn't it? Yeah, just just someone to unlock those doors. You know what I mean? Like when you need someone to play the final pass, because um, you've got a Bamian, Lacazette, you brought on Pepe. Like there's players there who can score goals, but they just it just seems so. Um, so disconnected, which is weird yeah. because Arsenal seemed to be like a lot of joined up thinking going on. But yeah, I just thought they were really poor. Yeah, I mean those three plays that you mentioned—they're not—they're not like the pass um, for the goal. They—they're the goal, aren't they? They are. Those type of plays where yeah, you want to get um, sort of Pepe isolated, or you want to get um, Bamiang. Realistically, you want to get Bamiang um, sort of half a chance, and and Lacazette, you probably only need a couple of chances for him to score, but. Yeah, like they are missing the pass um, before that, aren't they? So, they look, I agree with you. That they they dominated the ball and and sort of the pace of the game. But I agree that Leicester defended well and and they didn't really look troubled by Arsenal. They just didn't have any um, penetration past um, past Leicester at all, did they? So, um, all right, let's go to the offside goal. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I've got a strong position here. So. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like yeah, if you're an attacker and you put yourself in that offside position in front of the goalkeeper, there's always a chance that that goal is going to be disallowed. 
Like he doesn't need to be there. And then as soon as the ball, like as soon as the ball moves and he needs to get back on side, he needs to move faster to take away the opportunity for the referee to disallow the goal. Um, but in saying that, like he really had no impact on the ball at all. So if they'd given the goal, I wouldn't have been devastated by that. What did you think? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll probably got a, a couple of different thoughts to that, but some of it the same where, yeah, well, like what's the point of being um, in that advanced position where you are going to be offside? Because essentially you can't do anything as soon as you're, you're offside. So what's the value in being there? And if you are in the way and you're going to imp- impede the keeper, it's going to be called offside. So he, he was obviously definitely offside um, from the header from Lacazette, but it's a matter of did he touch the ball? No. So then it's a matter of did he impede Casper, and I think initially he impeded his sight, so that's one aspect of it. But then he, the thing that um, no one really picked up on is he's on Casper's left hand side, and that's where the ball goes. So the ball gets flicked on from um, Lacazette, and um, as it's going across, he's I feel as though he's in Casper's path to make a clear dive over to his left hand side. Hmm. He's because he's just in Casper's space there, so. Yeah, if he if he can't dive at the ball and he's in and he is offside, then yeah, I didn't have a problem with that being called offside. Like I, I try to keep that unbiased, but I, I, I that is genuinely my my position. I, just because it's, it's like the other thing that like you don't see on the camera and you can't sort of like make tangible is that how much does his positioning impact Casper's decision making? Like because he's standing there, Casper can't come off his line. And make it, you know, the different save. So, like, he's sort of impacting the game. Yeah, and and even the ball, like, when the ball got flicked on, he jumped and it went under his feet. So, yeah, I appreciate he didn't touch it, but I mean, he was everything but touching the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was given offside, disallowed, and then um, yeah, from there, Leicester just went strength to strength. As soon as Vardy come on, I feel as though the game changed because. I mean, he could stretch him a bit more. Um, and I think Luis coming off um, sort of threw Arsenal off a little bit as well. Um, and, yeah, Vardy stretched him and they were obviously scared of his pace. But let's go to the goal. So gets rolled into Tilly's feet and a uh, bit of a drag back and then hooks it around the corner. Um, and then Unda, he had a good chance there. Um, and I wouldn't have been um, angry if he, if he went on and tried to finish that. But, yeah, just um, nice little cross there. Good technique to keep that nice and low. That they're tough when they're bouncing like that to keep them low, um, but kept it low enough for, for Vardy to head her into an empty net. What do you think of the goal? Great. It was it was all of uh, the good things about Leicester, wasn't it? Like Tielemans, I think he's just quality, and that was easily his best moment in the game. Just a clever ball in, Unders movement excellent, cut across Jamie Vardy unmarked. Arsenal just didn't react fast enough. Um, I don't know if they were. Like they were sort of thinking they were on top of it, but they just didn't react as quickly as Leicester could move. And Vardy's just so dangerous, <laughs> like when you're moving fast and to a defence that's tired. Yeah, that's the that's the difference between the two sides. Like Leicester have and had that cutting edge, whereas um, Arsenal didn't show any signs of having that cutting edge to to break Leicester down. Whereas Leicester had that, so Arsenal go on to lose their first game at home in 2020, which is a, a rather nice stat, I think. Um, and goes to show how well. Um, One other thing bugging me about this game was: done. should Hector Bellerin have been sent off? The do you think the two yellows? Yeah, 
Yeah. I just, I just couldn't how, get my head around that. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get my head around how that wasn't another yellow card. Like he was, it wasn't like a horrible tackle, but it was late. It was clumsy. <laughs> it was obviously a yellow card. If he hadn't have got a yellow card, I guarantee he would have got a yellow card. It was a bad tackle to make if you're on a yellow card. That that yeah. gets a sent off. And um, there was three Arsenal players booked and five Leicester players booked. So, yeah, the referee wasn't shy about um, getting his cards out, but not on that instance. No. All right, so that's it. So let's move on to the two remaining fixtures. So Brighton take on West Bromwich Albion. Who do you like in this one and why? Um, probably Brighton. I just, as I said in an earlier pod, I just think they've got a bit more cutting edge than um, than West Brom. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with with Brighton, um, especially at home. West Brom obviously need a win. They are really, really struggling. But, um, yeah, Brighton 16th, um, take on West Brom 17th. So six-pointer, do you think? Yeah, I think I think Brighton's – like I know the table doesn't lie, but I think Brighton's position's a bit unfair to them, to be honest. Um, I think they've been pretty good. They were good against United, good against Chelsea, um, just haven't got the results. But, yeah, I think I think Brighton are a much better team than West Brom at Chalbion. Um And I think that – I think they'll win this by a few. Um, I don't think that – I just don't think – I can't see West Brom staying up. Like, no matter how different stories I tell myself, like, I just think they're not up to it. Um, so I think I think Brighton will win this by a few. And West Brom still winless. So, like, it's starting to look very tough for them. Only the struggles of Burnley, Sheffield United, and Fulham are keeping them out of the relegation spot. <laughs> yeah. But – Five games Catching in, over there. Yeah, five games point. in, no wins, 13 goals conceded. Um, they really need this one, but I think Brighton will be too good for them. They do. All right, so the last fixture to round everything up is um, Spurs at home to Burnley. What do you think? Oh, geez, Burnley need some points, don't they? They have been <laughs> very <laughs> poor this season. Um, yeah, I don't like their chances, but Spurs are Spurs are going fairly well right now. Um, I think Spurs are up to, or they could go to fourth if they win this one. Um, and I, that combination of Kane and Son right now, I just don't think there's a better combination in the Premier League. Well, I think this game is going to be the game where all Spurs fans um, finally get to see that front three all together starting. So I think Bale might start um, along with Sonny and and Harry. So. Yeah, I think if if that's the go, um, I think they could be in some real trouble there. Um, so good, yeah, good Burnley, time for um, too. Could be a battering. Yeah, got the seven a.m. kickoff for all you Australian Premier League fans. So I would strongly recommend tuning in if that's going to be the front three of Spurs. Yeah, no, I agree. Should be a, a good game. Hopefully, Daichi's boys can turn up and get some points because they desperately need them. They do. All right, what's next? What do you got next, mate? <laughs> that's, that's it. There's a bit of a lull there. No, that's it. That's all we got this week. Um, yeah, well, how do they get hold of us? So if you, if you want to get in touch with us, it's an email. So it's uh, footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook is footballplayedonpaper. Instagram is at footballplayedonpaper. Twitter is at footballplayedonpods. Um, make sure you go online and give us a five-star rating as well um, because obviously I've got a family to feed. Victoria's out of lockdown too now, so I need to reason to stay inside. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I'm off to listen to um, Out of the Rut. And uh, um, enjoy the football. See ya. Bye-bye.